Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This week, um, we have four made in New Zealand. Uh, Joe Gooden is joining us and he makes products at his uh, huge Taranaki workshop. And these are exported internationally. Uh, they include high-powered, remote-operated underwater dredges, winches, cutting tools, parts for offshore wind farms. Sounds intriguing. Joe's with me now. Kia ora, Joe. Good Mike. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Tell us about your, your business, Taranaki Wind Farms. Uh, yeah, well, uh, our business, Vortex uh, International Limited, we, we're doing the wind farm, the offshore wind farm, uh, installation since around 2009. I guess predominantly we were known for our work in the oil and gas, but the uh, the wind farm part of it, that's really grown to, well, I guess about 40% of what we do internationally now. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's grown all around the world, mainly with the uh, the government sort of signing up with you know Paris Accord and these sorts of things. They've, they've committed to, to getting their green energy uh, percentages up and they're spending some big dollars out there, mate, and mm. it's uh, it's interesting work, yeah. particularly in some of the places that you have to do it. So, are you actually building or creating the the, the wind farms themselves, or parts thereof? No, so we're involved in the um, in the preparation of the of the grounds for the wind farms, the seabeds, the locations, uh, the surveying of it, the clearing of the unexploded ordnance, and um, of course through the, the lifespan of the of the wind farm. You've got a, a lot of maintenance IRM to uh, to perform, and then there's the end of life uh, subjects. So of course they've got to be decommissioned like anything else, and we're currently involved in decommissioning of wind farms too. So you've got to remember some of these things have been on the ground, for, you know, 20 years or more now, yeah. and um, anything that's put out in the ocean to sit there for 20, 30 years, got a pretty hard life and a and a short life expectancy. Is it challenging to actually get them there? I mean, I imagine it is to put them in the sea. And and, and why the sea? Is the sea a, a great place for these? Uh, does it create more wind out there? Yeah, well, there's a few reasons for it, Mark. Um, a lot of people, of course, don't want to be looking at um, uh, be power stations or, yeah. or dams or wind farms or whatever. So it's out of sight, out of mind. And, and yes, of course, you know, the, the, there is predominantly more wind out in some areas of, of the ocean. Um, you know, for example, the ones that they want to put down uh, down south, Taranaki, it's renowned for, for blowing like hell down there. Um, so it's the consistency. You know, the salt farms are only good when there's yes. the sun out during the day. And, and wind farms are the same too, but at least wind farms, you've got wind at night. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, location's pretty important. And how deep do you go? Well, generally they're not that deep, mate. Um, like predominantly all the ones that we've been doing, been doing for years off uh, off Europe, a fairly shallow water, you know, might only be sort of 10, 20, 30, or even 40, 50 metres deep, yeah. which is not that deep at all. But not when you compared to the, some of the oil and gas work that we do is down to, you know, six kilometres. That's very, very, very Whoa. deep. My goodness. Um, yeah, it's a long way down. So the, the wind farms um, generally are close to shore because you've got uh, your export cables and so yes. on that have to run yeah. in. There's the expense of that. Um but then that, that brings its own challenges. As I mentioned there before about the UXOs or unexploded ordnance, yeah. um, that's a huge part of, uh, of what we do to, 
prepare the ground for the wind farms. And um, that so, is, you know, some of the most fascinating stuff I've been involved in. Yeah, so tell us about this. These World War One bombs, what the heck are they doing out there? Were they practice shots or something? No, you know, World War One and World War Two bombs, uh, torpedoes, 16-inch shells, you name it. Yeah, something in the region of 100,000 tonnes of uh, unexploded ordnance just around the UK itself. Um, that's the ones that they know of. That's not the ones that, uh, you know, were sort of sunk or sabotaged and so on. And so, uh, you know, every year they're coming up with, uh, you know, hundreds of tonnes of unexploded bombs. And some of these things are like the big boy bombs that they had. I know they found one the other day. A bit over five tonnes. They were the ones that they dropped on the, on the big bunkers. Wow. And a lot of these things got, uh, you know, they got planes might have been shot out of the sky. And so the land... They land everywhere, and of course, a lot of the fighting was around the uh, the coastal shores and so on uh, mm-hmm. during the wars, and um, and so there's a lot of and I reckon something like ten percent of the munitions that were you know were shot out with the torpedoes or bombs never went off. So there's a there's a lot of you know live ammunition on the seabed. And your part of your role is actually to find these, or yes, correct. Yeah, so um, the company that uh, we've partnered with, uh, Ashdead Technology. They're headquartered out of um, out of Aberdeen, the world's largest offshore rental company. So um, they started off in the very early days predominantly with surveying, so you're running mag- uh, magnetomic surveys and so on, looking for cables and pipelines and so on. And, and they've really secured them. A big part of their business now is uh, the surveying of the seabeds. So you'll have the, their special equipment surveying, running along the seabed on an on ROV and or a ship. And they... Um, so that picks up any of the uh, magnetic anomalies, uh, yeah. which will be identified. And we're going with our dredges that we make that you mentioned earlier on. Yes. So you've got to be pretty careful around these things and yeah. um, remove all the mud and dust and dirt and so on that's around the, the dredges. And then identify it as a torpedo or whatever. Of course, there's an ROV uh, that's doing it all. It doesn't really matter if the ROV blows up. But um, some of the earlier stuff used to be done with divers, and it was pretty hairy. So then we uncover the, uh, the dredges, uh, rather the... Um, the bombs. bombs, and then it's all, um, it was collected together and just, you know, bunched up into one big pile, and, um, and that would be the exciting bit at the end of the day, they'd, they'd blow the stuff up, but of course you can't do that anymore because it makes a mess of the seabed and so on, yeah. so it's, it brings a lot of a lot of challenges around disposing of this stuff, which is extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, opening up the uh, the past to, to put the, uh, the equipment in the seabed. Have you had any explode? I mean, have you had that issue, or have you been lucky so far? No, I've not personally been lucky so far, and I know a mate of mine who was on uh, one of the jobs recently with our equipment. He said there's been some hairy moments, but um, <laughs> you've got to get a long way away from them. Listen, how does a company from Taranaki and you, I think you grew up on a dairy farm, how, how do you get these connections in, in the UK and with all these other companies, these uh, joint ventures, if you like? How does that happen? Um... Right place at the right time, Mark. I think that that made a big, uh, big impact. And when I started getting into ROVs, um, oh, back in '98 or '99, and it turns out the boss of the company up in Singapore, oceaneering at the time, he had a look at my CV, and um, and then he said, "Well, where did you grow up?" I said, "On a dairy farm." He said, "Well, that'll do." Um, you know, without blowing our own horn, every attitude that that got us there, you know, been able to, do, to make something out of nothing and make it happen. So from there we grew. Through the company, um, got some contracts in Singapore, and the equipment was very, very well received. And we were picked up by um, a company called, as I said, Ashdead Technology, 
and we've just grown wings since then. So we we make the equipment here in New Plymouth um, using what I, I class as the, the best uh, engineering shops anywhere in the world that I've seen. And um, so we distribute the equipment uh, from Houston to Singapore, to Aberdeen, and their main bases, and then grow um, grow to their uh, extra satellite bases around the world from there. Fantastic. So it's, um, and how many staff do you have working for you? It's embarrassing to say sometimes. We've actually, I've only got the one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit awkward sometimes. You go to a, a show over in Houston or somewhere, how many people have you got? 50, 60, whatever. So we don't actually have anyone, and we don't need to. Um, the whole idea of it was to surround yourself with people that can do the job better than better than you can um, and bring them on, you know, contracting, uh, you know, making the, the gear, outsourcing and third-party where and when needed, uh, which kept the overheads low. And um, so usually I do all the prototyping and, and manufacture myself, but it's got to the point now I just can't do it all. So mainly um, just keep myself into the prototyping and R&D now. Yes. Our, our main lines of equipment that we do, the you know, the Fenerbahl down pat, and um, so we just outsource that and bring it in. So it's, it's good. It's, it's nice to keep it... Um, Keep it simple, yes. but uh, it brings its own challenges too. It's nice to have um, you know, other people around that you can challenge, uh, challenge your thoughts and challenge your ideas, and, and get two you know two heads together. So, so basically, it's these remotely operated underwater vehicles, the ROVs you talk about, and uh, all the equipment required, you know, to to get these bombs off the floor and um, you know and get the wind farms spinning. Yeah, correct. Um, and that overlaps with the oil and gas side of things that we do. We make robotic arms that uh, hold cameras and lights and so on on the end, on the sides of them, so we can go along, uh, be they the, the power power transmission lines from the wind farms or you know north and south islands. Uh, our gears involved in looking at the transmission lines, and air, uh, surveying and so on, laying down the pipeline. So this really has expanded. Um, you know, a lot further than than we would ever envisaged it would go, Mark. Um, and and that's come down from the again the guys in Ashton and Aberdeen. So look, you know, we haven't got this. Can you make it? Um, and because we're a smaller company, uh, we we can move quickly yes. and and yeah. do things very fast. So we can develop tools that would take you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop. We can instead move that and you know kind of do do a little project after work, if you will, yeah. and. Yeah. Um, and still maintaining you know, the highest quality of anything that's available in the world. And it's nice to be able to say that, you know, because our gear is with the best company in the world. Um, it's the unfortunate thing with the, with the Kiwi psyche, Mark, you know, we, we do very well here in New Zealand, but we're bloody terrible at, um, yeah, at, at patting ourselves on the back for it, you know. Yes. We yep. prefer to stay under the radar, which is, you know, when you get overseas, you can't do that. You have to stand on a pedestal and, and beat your chest a little bit, so look, look at me, look at me, because if you don't, you know, sometimes you won't get noticed too. Yeah, exactly. So that, I think that's part of the New Zealand New Zealand culture that needs to change. We need to get better at celebrating what we do and, and encourage others behind us to, to feel better about doing that too, you know, taking risks and so on. Joe, that's exactly what we're doing this afternoon here and what we do in the segment with Made in New Zealand. So, yeah, thanks so much for being a part of it. Joe Gooden from Vortex International. And well done. What a great, uh, great job you've been doing. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.